0: This is Democracy on the Move. (music) Democracy on the Move is a podcast tribute to the people and organizations who dare to reimagine our nation and drive it back to its original promise of democracy. This episode is being released on Sunday, April 23, 2023. I'm Dan Schaefer, your host for today's podcast and thank you for joining us. Today we'll talk with Shivana Spratt, executive director at an organization known as The Hood Connect. The Hood Connect seeks to address and reduce barriers that black and or under-resourced communities encounter through education, advocacy, and connections. But first, a few words about Dirt Road Radio. Consider this. Each week, millions of Americans tune into radio and talk news shows, but 91% of the content is conservative and dominated by five big media companies. Meanwhile, a more well-balanced radio that appeals to Americans of all types has struggled to reach rural markets. Well, Dirt Road Radio aims to change the game in the radio field by offering an alternative to the dominant conservative news and talk radio. We want to share a wider horizon and broader range of voices and perspectives. Here's the problem we're trying to solve Research shows that the rural urban divide has grown dramatically in the last few decades, coinciding with the disappearance of local newspapers and the growing prominence of conservative talk radio. Now, by harnessing the power of streaming technology, Dirt Road Radio seeks to bridge this divide and provide a much needed alternative to rural listeners. Now, the content? It'll come from rural America itself. It won't be piped in from the left coast or the right coast. We're going to talk about the issues that matter to America, directly from Americans living in the heart of the country. We're just getting started. Our Kickstarter campaign launches soon, and you can keep up with the latest developments at dirtroadradio.com. That's all one word, dirtroadradio.com. Better yet, if you have a story to share or know of someone who has a story to share, reach out to us. We'd love to get you involved in this new and exciting venture. Today we're talking with Shyvana Spratt, Executive Director at an organization known as The Hood Connect. According to the mission statement, quote, The Hood Connect works to address and reduce barriers that Black and or under-resourced communities encounter through education, advocacy, and connections. We utilize media and entertainment such as a community podcast to engage and uplift the community that we serve. Their mission is, uh, or their vision is of a world where racism and bias no longer impact what resources are provided to black and/or purposely underserved communities, and these communities have full access to what they need to thrive. As the executive director, Shivana oversees the operations of this new 501C3 organization and seeks to ensure that everyone in her community is aware of support, resources and information available to make their lives better and take advantage of opportunities. Shavana lives within the community that she serves and is an active member of her community. So Shivano, with that introduction, uh, thank you for joining us at Democracy on the Move today.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Well, oh, good. So uh, first of all, let's do like a, a high level view of what is the Hood Connect. And, and first, can you get, uh, give us a rundown of what the uh, of the problems that you see in your community and what the Hood Connect is doing to address these problems?
1: So hi, all of you. Um, basically for me is um, see that there's a lack of resources, um, a lack of connection, and I would say uh, a decrease in community engagement. Um, And so we are literally just trying to be a connector from our community to those resources, because a lot of times it's either outside of our communities um, or if they're inside the community, folks literally don't know about them. Um, They have barriers such as childcare, transportation, um, maybe even like awareness, just knowing again, but time, uh, if you're working, you know, so so many hours of the day, and then you have a family to support, you usually aren't like trying to get engaged in community. Um, or you, you, again, you're just like, so in the go, go, go of taking care of family and working that you don't know what's going on in your community. And so we are literally just like, okay, how can we address the barriers and make sure that the people that need the resources have access to them? Um, or if you're survival mode, I say a lot of people um, in my community and my, my myself been in this space of like, we're just surviving and that's just your day to day. You're just going on every day, trying to make sure you get food on the table for your children. Um, you know, we, we throw out the self care a lot to moms and like, Hey, you should do self-care um or you may be going to school you're just busy life life is so busy and sometimes people are working you know two, two jobs to just make it um, and so it's like how do we address those issues that you may have to make sure that you can still tap into the resources that's available in your community and meet you where you are um how can we meet you where you are what do you need how can we make you sustainable so that then we can introduce you uh in, back into the community? Yeah. And I hope that kinda gave an over uh, overview.
0: Yeah, that is. And and uh, you were talking about the underserved uh community and I'm trying to, you know, in my mind as you're talking about this, I'm thinking to myself, um, uh, you know, we all get into that rat race, right? We all get sort of tied up in things. But um yes. but that's, you know, when you're working two jobs and I'm trying to think to myself, you know, when you're when you're talking about um Underserved communities. It it to me. It's it sounds like people are so busy just trying to make ends meet that they don't understand or realize, or maybe don't even know about some of these services. And you 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 cited childcare and transportation. Um, any other types of services that uh, people can take advantage of that you're aware of? So,
1: let me say this. Um, for instance, and and trying to make it more basic for people to understand take for instance i'm a mom so i really 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 connect with mothers
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um there's a moms group and you know that supports moms around mental health um and new moms uh and that's a really big issue right now where we're talking about um black maternal health and all these other things that we have in the state of missouri um maternal um infant health, all these things. And so mental health is one of those of postpartum depression. And there's a, a resource called a mom's group, right?
0: Uh-huh. And
1: they're, they're here in the community. They're providing a safe space for black moms. And usually, again, it's just like, how do we connect that mom to that space? So they have transportation. They they provide childcare um, and they provide food. So the mom can literally come to this space to be able to say, hey, you know, we, um, I have food, so I don't have to worry about cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, I have transportation so I can get there and I have childcare so I could fully be present in this, in this space without having to really worry about my children, you know, and keeping them entertained. So it's like, we connect the mom. Hey, here's this group. Here's this space. Come and come joy. Enjoy this space. You have access to this. This is a safe space for you. There you are yeah. connecting you to this resource that can be beneficial, and now it's helping the mom be able to say, "Oh, I'm getting what I need mentally. I'm getting a a, a break. I'm getting uh, support. I'm and it's peer led support. So you're getting support through other moms. So we are not, and I, I want to say this like we aren't here to reinvent anything. Um, that's not what the Hood Connect is doing. We are literally just trying to drive the connection. How can we support the individual to get to the resource and then also connect them to the resource? That's, that's all that we are looking to do. And we want to do that uh, through the advocacy, education, and again, the connection. Because um, a lot of times, again, it goes back to what you said. A lot of times, either the first thing is I'm not aware of it. And then if I become aware of the resource, I might have a job that the time frame doesn't work. I may have um, child care that I can't come and attend if they're not providing child care. Or again, I have um, I don't have the access because it's out of my community, and I don't have transportation. Um, transportation to get there is limited. So, how do we address those? How do we help support folks to get to those spaces without uh, having to worry about those barriers?
0: Um, and just for reference purposes, you're, you're talking about the St. Louis, Missouri area here. Is there is it basically what you're focusing on?
1: Yes, that is our focus. Um, uh, we are not um, county or um, city, uh, Pacific. We are just St. Louis. Okay. Area St. Louis region.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it's um, it, it's you know, as you're describing this, I'm I'm still kind of um, uh, I don't know what the word is, but just sort of confused a bit in terms of. You know how is it that people cannot know about these services? And I, I'm I'm totally glad that you're there to help people. You know, understand that hey, these services are here. I mean, isn't there like politicians or something that you're the mayor or someone like that getting involved in in helping people understand? You know what's available to them because you know if it's like finding a book in the library. You know, if you don't have a catalog to look it up, you have no idea where the book is. But you know, if if you if you got some sort of directory, you can, you can find these services. And I guess that's just, I mean, that's why you stepped into this void, right? Because it's just not there.
1: And I mean, you have to think about who is really taking our, I mean, okay. Leadership is definitely different right now. And when uh-huh. we look at politics and where we are, there is a big disconnect between po- uh, politicians and leadership and community, Um community they don't some elected officials feel like they don't have to engage community that's not necessarily their job uh-huh. um and so that's where you don't see a lot of um not everyone not all of them but a lot of majority of them here in missouri you don't see them connecting with community like they should Right. um they're leaving that to the organizations right and if these if these organizations are organizations who have l- uh, less uh, resources, they could be providing the services, um, but they don't have the resources to promote what they're doing. They don't have the resources to, you know, uh, <laughs> community engage themselves because as one of those organizations, you're limited. Your capacity is limited. So you may have this resource that somebody that does, doesn't know about because, again, you can't engage. You're low-capacity. And then the mayor or the, all people or the council people are like, I'm not, uh, that's not my duty. So I'm just gonna sit here and, and not engage either. So who's engaged in the community? Yeah, who's out yeah. here saying, like, hey, here. And you said something about, there is there um, a manual or is there the directory? Um, times have changed, really. You have to really think about that. You don't have folks who are literally sitting down every day looking at newspapers, especially the youth. And let me say that, like, uh-huh. the younger folk are on the internet they're engaged on youtube they're um, engaged on these social media platforms so the the dynamic of again engaging community has shifted and not a lot of people are shifting to that space so that's what i was like okay how can we be innovative and creative and engage community in a different way um everybody is not reading uh newspapers are are looking for books in directories and not a lot of folks are engaged at the library anymore yeah so where are people where do how do we meet the people where they are um in the community if that's you know if that is maybe you know at the bus stop if that is maybe you know at a um a restaurant or if it's at um some of these some spaces that have community um hubs or right. if that is you know a local barbershop or beauty shop, like how do we think innovative to be like, okay, let's go into these spaces where it's the community feels it's safe. Because a lot of times you have some spaces that's in the community, but community might not feel like it's a safe space. So they're not going to tap into it. Um so how do we again meet community where they are and where they feel it is safe to engage them. And a lot of people that takes a lot of time. That's a lot of work. And a lot of folks don't have sometimes the capacity while they don't have the resources to do that and that's why we are here and we're trying to provide that that's what we want to help uh, yeah. other organizations and you know yeah. leaders and all all do
0: yeah that sounds uh, that sounds reasonable you hit upon a couple of things here that really uh raises the hairs on the back of my neck and that is that you know politicians are not engaging with people anymore and i think that's an attribute uh, There's a lot of a lot of reasons i'm sure but i think that's one attribute of gerrymandering, where politicians are, are you know, if you have a certain party, uh, you don't really have to be that responsive to your constituents anymore because you're pretty much guaranteed. If you're part of the Democratic Party, you're a part of the Republican Party, your district is gerrymandered to the point where, yeah, so what? I don't need to meet the people. I don't need to have town halls. I don't need to get that involved with people to tell them you know what's going on. So that-
1: yeah, I think that is a big dis- I agree with you. I think that is a big disconnect there and that that is some of what's happening. It's like, we're okay with the 200 people that's showing up to vote, and that's yeah. fine. As long, yeah. As, yeah. Those as long as those 200 are voting for me, I don't care about the other 14,000 that's registered to vote. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, Like You yeah. can
1: just show up, and yeah, those people that's gonna show up are gonna vote for me, and I'm gonna engage with them, and I'm not gonna think about engaging all of the other people that I still represent.
0: Because yeah. I
1: say, you know, I I said this many of times is like even if someone doesn't vote for you, you still represent them. Uh-huh. So I think it would still be a great thing to do as engaging and even seeing what they would like to have happen as well, um or just keeping them up on what you what you are doing as an elected official. What's happening? That's uh-huh. But I mean, they're not even engaging with each with with each other. <laughs> yeah. Like, so how can we expect them to engage with community? I feel like they're not even engaging on each level with each other. Um. So it's 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 a lot of chaos in that. But again, and that is what's causing the lack. Um. And I will say what I feel like in my community. Um. Is that is that no. there's no engaging, there's no connecting, there's no, uh providing information happening on that level. Uh, And then, you know, so community is like, I don't want to vote because I don't trust it. Or, you know, I'm not voting because you're going to do what you want to do anyway. Um, It's no, you know, but it's still like, you need to hold these people accountable. But elect officials know, if I engage you, you will have to hold me accountable. So I don't want to engage you because I don't want, I don't know necessarily if I want that uh, accountability.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I, th- you know, I think it it kind of runs into larger issues like rank choice voting. I think sometimes where where, you know, people would have to actually compete for their office <laughs> rather than just taking it as a uh, as a foregone conclusion. But you brought up something else too, which I thought was very interesting. And um, you know, it, there's isolation. You know, even though we're we're tightly packed together, you know, especially like in urban areas, there people are pretty pretty much stacked together. And ironic. Mm -hmm. How ironic is it that there is still so much isolation out there? And social media, which was at least initially had the promise of bringing everybody together and making it like a global town hall. It really has resulted in people uh, just staring into their phones rather than connecting with their friends. And um, it's, it's kind of a, it's an interesting, I don't know what to do about it. I mean, just sort of bringing this up as an observation that you say that, you know, kids are looking in their phones at, at YouTube or whatever, Instagram or whatever and not engaging you know there's no newspapers out there to help people engage and anything that's online is going to be you know this stupid entertainment stuff you know TikTok or whatever um that is that is just uh, it's an interesting phenomenon and you know this is got i think mankind is just on on the precipice of of a, of a new realization about you know how much of a how much of a price we're paying for this isolation that we have these days
1: yeah I agree I think um I think what it is for social media it has made it more convenient um but I also agree that sometimes it makes it feel a lot less connected
0: uh-huh. because
1: that's just something about being in person um that I, I personally enjoy um and why we we try to uh are trying to bring back some of that um we also try to do like those in person events. In those in-person spaces, because yeah, I, I I just think there is something really powerful about getting people in one room and really uh, connecting with folks. Yeah. Um. Versus, but also again the co- the convenience of social media, um, the convenience of pulling up a YouTube video, um, to learn about a new resource. It seems just more convenient. Um.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh. And I think again thinking about the people who. Uh, you know, I am trying to engage. um, And I think a lot of times for me, my focus is on the under resourced communities. But these are folks who are usually family oriented. Um, So, you know, they they have or or they lack support. So they don't necessarily have people who can really help them um, in their day to day. They're kind of single. They're alone um, or, you know, they just don't yeah. have the support that they look in or that they want and that they need. So I think, again, convenient. How can I make it convenient for you? Um, and if we don't do that, I think no one will show up or no one will come and be involved. So we have to, again, really think about how we're supporting people to show up in community. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And yeah. Like, I, yeah. I, it, I, it's,
0: I was going to say, I think long ago, um, you know, going back, you know, centuries or maybe even thousands of years when well, we were all, like, living in small villages or tribes or whatever. Um, you know, it was it was really, I mean, I know life was tough back then. I certainly wouldn't want to go back to those days. But um, there's one good thing they had was that, you know, they say it takes a village. You know, children, we, parents always had help from their neighbors, you know. And, it, and I think it's that way in agrarian societies even today where, you know, people do pull together into their little communities and they help each other. But um, there's a point though where they don't, and they get isolated, and the communication breaks down, and um, for various different reasons. And that's why I see, you know, what you're doing with the Hood Connect. I think is is absolutely marvelous because it really, I think you see that need there. You really need to stitch together people in the community and say, you know, build your strong community and build that support network. For people and make them aware of it, and and there's a lot, yeah. there's a lot that's out there, if only people knew about it. So I think what you're doing is is uh, it's a good idea.
1: Yeah, and I think, and I I come from a lens of trauma, um, so I, I really emphasize making sure that these spaces again are safe spaces, um, that where people can show up and be their authentic selves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's one of my biggest things as well like how can we make sure that these spaces are safe um and they're authentic um and people you know when they're there they like okay i can just i can fully be me and if i'm in a a space of you know um if i'm in a space of i need help and i need assistance i can feel okay saying that and not feel judged um so just making sure that folks understand that too, is like these, they have to be uh safe spaces for people to want to keep showing up in them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's, there's an element of ego that enters into every individual as well. And they, they say, I don't need any help, you know, but I think, you know, we, we all need it. We all need help, but, uh,
1: we all need help. Yes. We all need help. Uh, to this day, I still be like, I need help. Yeah. Um, but again, I understanding wanting help, um, that you know um where you don't feel judged yeah. or it doesn't make you feel bad or you know yeah. feeling degraded or anything like that
0: so well it's also you know in the flip side of that is the ability to offer help as well because you know going back to you know like I say thousands of years ago when we, when we were living in small villages or tribes or whatever um you contributed as much as you consumed so um, yes. The opportunity for people to help each other out, that that's a very empowering feeling as well. So, um, I want mean, to talk to you a little bit about challenges, though, because um, I, I know one of your challenges right now is you're just getting started. And uh, at least last time I talked to you, we, when I saw you at a, at a presentation a few weeks ago, um, you're just sort of getting started. And that's a challenge in and of itself. Um, what other types of challenges are you facing, you know, in terms of like organizational challenges or maybe challenges of, you know, Maybe some sort of working with a government organization or somewhere or another. I mean, but what, what sort of what sort of challenges are you facing these days?
1: Um, yeah, so we are really, really fairly new. Um, I've been doing the podcast uh, part for two years, uh-huh. um, and community has really rallied around it, um, and so that kept me going in that space. Um, but the nonprofit, which personally, uh, when I started, I was like, oh, I don't want to do a nonprofit. Because I felt like there are so many nonprofits in Missouri And <laughs> I was like, why do we need another one? Um, and I know people are probably saying that too Like, where's another one? Why? But for me, it was like, we need another one Because clearly, uh, no one is necessarily doing what I'm trying to do uh, There's the connecting factor There's the point of, again, sustaining Uh, individuals and being able to say okay now how can we reintroduce you back into the space of like community Mm -hmm. because one thing you just said is like which is important if you're saying hey you should be able to help and 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 help more in community but if you have nothing and if you're struggling how could you provide help right Right. how could i give something that i don't have i i don't have it to give so i'm not going to be able to, to to provide anything so that's my thing is like, how can we focus on helping people thrive individually and then say, okay, now that you're on your, you're on the right path and you're, you know, you have what you need. How do we give to the community? How do we give back? Sure. If that's time, money, whatever. Um. So, so I was like, that's the focus that we need. We need people to focus individually and then say, okay, let's bring back to community. Um. But that, that's, the, the the issue of the lack of resources so it's like again that goes back to well that might be something out here that can help you but you don't even know about it or you can't access it so I think it's twofold <laughs> but um yeah. so I was like I don't want to be a non-profit but this is why I am going to be a non-profit and I'm I'm gonna go ahead and do this and now that I've done it the biggest struggle is just building it out um like really getting people to understand what we're trying to do uh, getting the resources myself <laughs> yeah. like how do we get the resources to do the work building out the team so I'm not the only one to do it uh it's really been uh one of the focus for us right now but it's still it's still a struggle um because yeah. there are so many barriers within a nonprofit. profit uh, so many things that you have to do uh to even sometimes be funded and so all of these different things um that we're trying to uh shout out to my board that we're trying to really um uh, strategically do now so that we can build it out um and so I think that's for me it's been like the resources like i've been doing the work for so long uh, especially with the pie and now it's like how do i get more people on board to help really build this out um and, ex- and expand it from what i've done um yeah. and understand the vision
0: how do you uh it's um i might if i may digress a little bit because I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your podcast uh tell us about the podcast you've been doing it for two years now you say
1: Yeah. So, um, the podcast came as an idea for a group, uh, project that I was, uh, I was in in neighborhood leadership Academy. Um, it's called NLA. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And, um, I decided to do a community podcast because one of the things I always felt like too was community voices. Nobody was listening to the community. Um, community aren't sitting at the decision making tables, uh especially for uh, you know, enough enough uh ex- lived experience, ain't sitting at the table making decisions for the community. So I was just like, how do we get more people to wanna, you know, talk about these issues? Um, how can we find a way that's inventive to provide the resources and all of these good things? So the Hood Talks podcast was launched in December 2020. Right in the heart, like the pandemic, because that was another like big disconnect. I feel like when the pandemic hit, we was really disconnected. Oh yeah. Um, because you know, it's like go go sit in your home and don't come out. <laughs> no. Uh, so I was like, we oh this is really gonna uh ruin community engagement. Um, and I mean you can see it now. A lot of people still don't feel like they want to get back into community and show up at community events and things. So I was like, okay, how can we create this space on uh again social media. As part of the podcast, we do several different segments. Uh, our focus, uh, you know, is of course things like mental health, um, uh, nonprofits. So we we kind of like make sure that we uplift, uh, what resources is being provided. Uh, talking to the nonprofit organizations about how they serve community. We do uh the mental health where we talk to mental health specialists about different topics pertaining to mental health. Um, and just trying to get any tools, techniques, or any resources that can be provided through that space. Um we do community sh- uh community uh storytelling segments where we literally go out and find community members to come and talk about their experiences growing up in St. Louis and you know living in St. Louis and usually impacted by things like addiction, homelessness, um black maternal health, uh incarceration, all different types of things. Um And then we also have like these live panel shows every first of the month that uh, are tailored to open topics. So we're not really specific to an area, Uh um, but anything that's concerning to black or urban community, we try to talk about it. Um, So um, those are the segments that we do on our podcast. Uh Shows usually try to come out once a week. um, But for, for this season, we were literally just focused on those live community panel uh, conversations in our storytelling segment.
0: I like that. We you know, You've already known, I've talked to you already about Dirt Road Radio, which um, we're starting up here. We're kind of doing the same thing, but in a rural area, because, you know, what I find to be the most valuable thing is to get people to tell you their story. And it yeah. just, you know, I, 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 I wish yes. politicians would do that more because there is so much that you could learn from people by getting them to tell their stories. And I'll bet yes. you, just between you and me and every, everyone else that's listening to the podcast, I'll bet many of these stories in the rural areas are very, very, very much parallel, the stories in the urban areas as well.
1: Yeah, I I am not... I don't disagree with you on that. Um, there, I had a conversation, um, a show, it was called uh, Urban versus Rural. We Are Not That Different. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a family that talked about... Uh, growing up in rural area and uh talked about how again some of the same similarities of under-resourced and uh the lack of that they've experienced uh as well as what we have in urban community um so i i definitely agree with you that we have some of the same issues um that aren't being addressed and like even if you think about um access to health care right. right
0: yeah that's the a thing big one
1: is, That is a big one. So the thing is where it differentiates a little bit is you all have your the area in rural usually don't have access to because you don't have the hospitals that's being provided in that space. Right. They're not Mm -hmm. building hospitals that's in rural communities. Um, So we're saying like uh, and then in the urban community, the black community, we're like, okay, we have access to these, but they're they're not uh, listening to us. They're not really trying to care for us for the most part, so we have the same issue. It's just a little different, but the some of the solutions uh, that could help both sides is like midwives. Rural areas might be like we don't want hospitals building here, but we would love to have access to more midwives. Yeah, the, the urban community is like, hey, we have access to these, but we don't feel like they're safe spaces. We want access to midwives. So. I'm just trying to put a picture to a picture like yes, we are dealing with some of the same issues. Yes, uh it, it it can be a little different to what the issue is, but at the end of the day, it's like the solutions we both can benefit from. So yeah. like how do we use that to make sure that we hold these leadership accountable for getting the solutions that can be impactful to both sides. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah.
0: Oh, I, I... I'm with you there with, with midwives. Um, I was thinking myself t- also telehealth, um, in, yes, and telehealth having health coaches. A, yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah. Peer, yeah. Peer coaches, health coaches, community health workers, all, especially in the healthcare right now in, you know, in Missouri, like these are some things that could really be impactful to both sides. Yeah. Um, and it's like, they're not necessarily being, um, supported by leadership. So I just, I I think uh, we do have a lot of similarities and it's like, how do we get folks to see that we're, we're, we're dealing with some of the same issues. Um, and yeah. if we hold some of our leadership accountable, hopefully we can get those things changed.
0: Yeah. That's one of my big takeaways from this conversation. Hold our leaders accountable because I think that yes. if, you know, I, I mean, I I love what you're doing, but I think, it's, it's also a testimony of our society, the fact that you feel that necessary to do this, because this is something that I feel it should be part of our system. You know, it's a I agree. part of the same country. We got to take care of each other, you know, and, and uh, I mean, you see it happen, like, you know, if a tornado rips through a, a uh, an area, whatever, whether it's rural or, or, or urban or whatever, there's always tons of people just come in afterwards and help out, you know, and I would like to see the same thing happen on a continuous basis where, you know, yeah. uh, where, where it's organized and led by our political leaders, but uh, they're they're uh, pretty much um, uh, absent in their duties, and that makes it necessary for people such as yourself to step into that void and, and, and do something. Um, I want to ask you a question, too, because I, I think, you know, I, want, I don't want to turn this to a, a, um, you know, a really... Dark conversation here, but there was something that struck me in the vision statement for the Hood Connect, and it makes reference to racism and bias having an impact on the resources provided to the Black and or purposely underserved communities. And I, you know, I've I've talked to a lot of folks over the years. I've been doing this podcast for a couple of years, and then before this podcast, I was doing another one on a on a different uh, forum for for a couple of years as, as well. And I would say that many people would say that not. Not a lot, but many people would say the systemic racism doesn't exist in this country. And um, in fact, in January of last year, I interviewed a guy named Kenny Zhu, who wrote a book called An Inconvenient Minority. He's Asian American, and he said that Asian Americans have become victims of numerous policies ostensibly written in the spirit of diversity, but in reality excludes them from the upper ranks of the elite. And I was sort of caught off guard by a lot of the concepts that he brought up, and um, one of the concepts he brought up, which I, I, I somewhat agree with, is he advocates for a pure meritocracy, where everyone is judged by the content of their character, not by the color of their skin. To paraphrase Dr. King, um, I, I get it, but still, I'm thrown off when, on the other hand, I talk to a lot of people, countless individuals that cite policies built on racism and classism, such as you know the proverbial bail trap. Um, you know, the
1: redlining. Or, pardon me was that redlining?
0: Yeah, redlining. Um, and in Florida, I remember there was this law that was um, preventing ex-felons from voting. And so the people got together, like, in a, I think it was a referendum or initiative or something like that. The people got together and said, okay, we want to eliminate this because there's like, you know, almost a million people that are prevented from voting because they're ex-felons. And so they did. But then the legislature turned around and said, well, these people still shouldn't be able to vote because they haven't repaid monetarily for the damage that they've done. You know, it's just this—it's this purposeful sort of uh, effort among people to yeah. implement what I would call systemic racism. So, so I guess my question to you is this: First of all, do you agree with the assessment that there—that there is that there is no systemic racism in this country? And, and if you if you think oh. that there is systemic racism, um, Then what do you say, or or what could we all say to people that deny that there is such a thing as systemic racism in this country?
1: Um, For me, and I say this as like best as I can, I can't focus on changing someone's mind, (laughs) unfortunately. I don't have the energy to focus on that um, because a lot of times people who don't agree are benefiting from the system. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and so, um, they usually don't want to give up what they feel like is power. Um, and so they're going to say, "No, there's not," and they're right. benefiting from it. So mm-hmm. it's hard to change someone's mind in that space. My, my energy goes to those who are impacted by what the systems are, and how do we get more of them uh, encouraged and and repowered to go into the spaces of um, where we talk about leadership and um change making decision making policy changing position that's where my focus is because unfortunately uh the energy it takes to change someone's mind who feels like there's not systemic systemic racism will be will continue to be doing what we're doing and like where we're going back now does that make sense?
0: <laughs> yeah, that does. Like, and yeah, I've you know I, I kind of relate to that as well because you know there are there are times I get into discussions with people about this topic and um, you know it, it's, it's I draining. Think it, yeah, I, I think it's very draining, and it's it's because they come. I think what you said they come from a position of privilege, or maybe they've never experienced power, privilege and power, privilege yes. and, power. and if, so they've never experienced this, and so they a they can't relate to it, and b they can't they,
1: relate. They don't empathize clearly. Well
0: they, yeah, they, I think that sometimes they see it as a threat too. Because if you start going down that path and saying, "Well, yeah, there is systemic racism," then you know there's a sense of guilt that gets associated with it as well. And I'm like, you know, I'm not into yes. guilt or anything like that. I'm just want to, you know, let's get this thing straightened out and and figure this out. But yeah, it, it's draining. I mean, it's just it's just it uh,
1: is. it's draining, and it also sometimes can fuel no hope. Yeah. Um, and if you look at what we look at, what I look at on the day to day, you, you know, you kind of pick your battles. Um, and again, I'm around a lot of folks who I, I, I say this again, very much are like just survival mode. They're trying to get the basic needs. They want a safe place to sleep at night. They are, you know, tired of hearing gunshots in their communities. They're tired of losing their family members and loved ones. Fair They're fair. trying to feed their children. Um quality food they just want you know uh better mental health um so I, I, they want the basic need and yeah. to think about those folks I have the capacity to do to say like how can I serve and support them versus trying to sit here and talk to a guy who and I know sometimes you need that I just personally don't have that capacity right now yeah. um mm-hmm. You know, hopefully in the future I could get there, but yeah, my my lens is so for the people who, uh, again are um, who we can, hopefully structure and repower to get to where we need them to be able to to want to even, you know, go vote or want to even uh run for office. Because you just said it earlier, like. We have uh people who aren't even running for office. So no there's no competitiveness. Like you don't have to engage with anybody because maybe you're the only one running and you just automatically get the seat. Yeah. So again, how to structure and support people individually so that they can wanna get into these spaces? Um and so that's that's my focus. Um and pushing some more of that into the, you know, uh leadership will will give the lived experience and the understanding um of the systematic racism so they can say, oh, I have the experience, so now I can make a policy or I can, uh, you know, create a bill or a law that can help break down that system.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a that's a very, uh, that, that, that approach makes sense to me because, you know, I, I see this happen um, a lot where people come from backgrounds that, that uh, most people would just write off and say, well, you know, you come from that background. Um, we don't need to pay attention to you, but they still come from that background and they become, you know, politicians and they actually start making a difference in the world. And the, the only way to do that, I think, is to get some sort of a support network going so that they have that, uh, that the support, that confidence, um, and that just gives them the ability to achieve the potential, which was inside of them all along, which is being, you know, repressed, for the lack of a better term, being repressed by their conditions. But uh, yes. you know, I think what you're doing is is um, is good because you're trying to remove those conditions that are that are keeping people back. So that's I good. To,
1: yeah, because as a mother of two, I have a five year old and a two year old. If I actively had consistent childcare, care, uh, I would have run for office. <laughs>
0: yeah. My yeah. first
1: excuse for not running for office right now is because I don't have childcare. care. Um, yeah. I have to be there for my children. I have to be there for my babies as best I can. Yeah. Um, and you know, I. I saw an interview with um, uh, a U.S. uh, representative, um, and I cannot remember her name, but she's a single mom. I forgot what area. I want to say maybe. I can't remember what area it was. was She she was talking about how when she got in, she's a single mom, and everyone kept saying that you can't do this without a partner. You can't do this without a husband. You need a mate. You need to marry someone. Oh, yeah. yeah. Why? Why do (laughs) I have. And I'm just like, but who better to have that experience as a single mom to know what what the lived experience she has to know what laws can help a, a woman who can help a mother? You know what I mean? Right. So it's just like if you don't have the lived experience or the understanding, you'll never you won't be able to relate and create, you know, bills and laws that you know will help. So I I definitely think um yeah my yeah. my eye is on supporting people to be able to bring that lived experience where we need in leadership. Um, and
0: here's a here's another thing too, and this is a thought I've had because I've looked at the same thing like, uh, do I want to run and and I've talked to my wife about it and such, you know, we're still trying to work through this. But here's the thing, when you if you want to, you know, make a difference at least at the state level and you want to run for say a state representative or a state senator, uh it's pretty tough the way it is, but you know when you get there, the pay is really not good enough to live in a, you know, if you're, if you're living in an urban area, forget it because you're, you're not going to get that much payment for it. And so what do you do? You know, in, in Missouri here, you're, you're in session from uh, January through May. Uh, every state's different. Um, mm-hmm. But in Missouri, it's January through May and they pay you for the time you're in session, they pay you pretty well. It's like, what, 35000 $36,000 a year. But there's seven months out of the year that, you know, you're out, right? You don't get paid, you you don't. Don't get paid. Mm-hmm. and and still you're kind of working because you have to, you know, to do the things right. You, you know, to you be, have to, con-
1: you should be engaging community exactly. that time, right? what exactly. you should be doing, but yeah. usually you don't because you're probably going back to work a full time job, um, right? And you so you don't have the time frame to say like, yeah, I want to sit here and engage my uh, community that I'm here to represent. Yeah, um, so I I agree with you. Um, and if you think on a local level. Uh, a lot of these, cause we keep telling people, oh my God, we keep telling folks like get on boards and get on these, uh, commissions and, and committees and all of these things. And it's like, if I'm working full-time job and you want me to provide my free time, um, without any compensation, usually I'm again, dealing with children and working a job that usually takes a lot out of me. So how do I have time to just volunteer free hours? Yeah. I don't have yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's not that uh, easy so again yeah, yeah. on every level it's like we're expecting people to just show up in this space um, again depleted and just say give 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 but that's why it's not appealing anymore for yeah. folks it is not reasonable anymore it's not doable right, especially it's, it's... for the people that can really make it change and impact because who's, who's running it who's in the space folks who have the money to,
0: to be yeah. For the most yeah. part, I think I think there are some folks that that I don't know how they do it. Uh, well, one way I suppose is if you are married and your spouse has a good enough job to allow you to do that. Yeah. But but you know that's still it that makes it a little bit more easy, I would say. That's but the then marrier. but but then yeah. you're getting now you're getting a cross section of people that aren't really you know had, don't really have that experience that's needed um, that you, you would like them to have going into that environment. So. Yeah, it, it's not only the uh, it's not only the pay that that for the uh, for the representatives and senators for the state, but also the the staff that supports them. Um, they get starvation wages as well. And so, yep. you know, what what tends to happen, at least from what I've been able to tell, is that people get into the state capital, in this case, this Jefferson City, but same with lots of other states across the nation, they get there and um, the staff is underpaid, staff is overworked, and so. Where do they get their legislation? Who helps them craft the legislation? And that's the lobbyists, right? And yeah. And so they yep. they uh it, it basically, you know, it becomes an owned yep. society at that point.
1: It's one sided. It becomes yeah. one sided. Yeah. yeah. Um I agree. Um we I talk about that again thinking I know, talking about the state level, but it's also a local level thing as yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. Um I, I learned recently, um, not too long ago that, you know, St. Louis City has uh one attorney to uh now fourteen older people and I'm just like, Wow. <laughs> just <That's>, one?
0: Yeah, <laughs> and wow. That he
1: was I think they were serving twenty eight before it, you know, it went down to fourteen. So it just was like, that's that's really slim to be able to craft a law. And so you think about again, if you don't have the experience of crafting a bill or a law and you need that extra support, like you said, the staff is probably crammed, and they're yeah. like, hey, I can only do so much.
0: Right, right. Yeah, that's so, um, that's that's a problem I think that needs to be resolved. And, you know, I hate to say we need to pay our representatives and senators more, but yet here I'm saying it because, you know, there's now states like California, they get paid, um, I think they're one of the highest paid, California and New York, um, they're like 100 and some odd thousand, like hundred and four, hundred, 110000 something like that. Now, they are in session, well pretty much all year round. I'm sure they have their time that they go back to their constituents. But um, then there's other states like New Hampshire, I believe it's New Hampshire or Vermont. I always get those two states confused, but they're, it's like $200 for two years. <laughs> so, wow. A voluntary. What kind of people are you going to get there besides the ones that are rich already or the ones that have some sort of, you know, action going on on the side where they get some sort of um, you know, compensation Big in bank. some other way. So. <laughs> bank. Yes. It is. So
1: I agree with you um and I would just say on the other side of that is that we also again the engaging of community so That's that right. community can hold those um so if, if you are if we do pay you know uh, our representatives and stuff more making sure that they have uh, and they are engaging community so community can hold them accountable. Yeah. Because uh, just throwing some extra money at someone. But then I guess it makes it competitive because more people will be able to get into the space. Uh-huh. But again, that accountability, because you can get paid more, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to do what you need to do. Right. So we still need community to be able to hold um, the uh, leaders accountable. Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: it's
1: an and and a but. Yeah. It's both. Yeah. And and.
0: You're you're yeah. definitely working the definitely working one side of that equation, and that is getting the community together. Because I think that's that's step number one, really, to get people together, make it a community, and um, make sure that everybody knows what's available, and uh, make sure they understand all the resources that are available to them, and that yes. they know how to use it. Uh, we do have yes. to wrap this up. We're getting. Uh, I I promised you this is going to be less than an hour, and looks like we're going to go pretty much up to the hour. Um, I know you have uh, other things to get to get uh, to be, get busy on but are 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 there any last words you'd like to say before we wrap it up? Um
1: thank you for this opportunity. I appreciate it. Um I would yeah. just say uh again uh to think uh I don't know who, who your audience really is or you know, you know who your your audience is targeted to for the most part, but if <laughs> we are we all want some of the same basic thing Mm -hmm. um and that is you know security housing you know we want to be healthy we want our kids to have great educations we want safe streets For the most part we majority all want the same thing um so how can we make sure that everyone has access to that and it's not limited um on any space or side um because if we all thrive the whole, our whole world, our whole community, our whole state, and I'm now talking to Missourians. Our whole state would thrive. Yeah. Um. So we need to make sure that if if one is not thriving, it's it's gonna it's gonna impact you some way somehow. Yeah. So we have to make sure that everybody is thriving. Yeah. Um.
0: We all everybody make it. has access. Yeah. Each of us has to make it in order for us all to make it. Very well put. Yeah. 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 We've been talking with Shivana Spratt, executive director of an organization known as Dahood Connect. Shavonna, thank you for thank you for stopping by and spending time with us today.
1: Thank you again, I appreciate your time.
0: You've been listening to Democracy on the Move, a tribute to all those people and organizations who dare to reimagine our nation and drive it back to its original promise of democracy. Please tune in each week where we will feature guests and topics that'll help keep you in touch with our march toward a more perfect union. If you have any questions or suggestions or if you'd like to sponsor future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Just send us an email at info at democracyonthemove.org or contact us on our webpage at democracyonthemove.org slash contact. Democracy on the Move is all one word. Theme music, Murky Waters, performed by El Rey Music, used under license from Shutterstock. I'm Dan Schaefer, your host for today's podcast, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in. It's been my pleasure to be with you today. Please have a safe week ahead. We hope you tune in again next week.